made in the UK for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello and welcome to a fresh new episode of the show, Straight Out of the Oven. Here's what I've got coming up for you today. Bad guys always find a way in, and we identified the primary ways that that happens, and we built a plugin that makes taking care of those vulnerabilities really easy to do. We're also going to look at how much you charge contract clients for ad hoc work. And it's probably not enough, which is good news for your profit margins. And we're going to answer a question from an MSP about how to differentiate yourself from all of your competitors. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. So I do record this podcast quite a few weeks in advance. And as I'm recording this one, we're still in lockdown in the UK. And my nine-year-old daughter and I, obviously, we're, we're in the house. We've been in the house, uh, more or less, just the two of us every single day. You know, you get the drill. I'm sure it's exactly the same with you and your family. So what we've done, of course, is we've fallen into kind of new patterns, brand new ways of working. She's doing her schoolwork in the morning. Um, I'm being interrupted by her while I'm doing my work in the morning and then the afternoons she does her own thing and I carry on working. But one of the things that we have enjoyed is every Friday we are ordering in lunch from a local deli. Now, where we live on the outskirts of Milton Keynes, there are no shops in our village, but the next village, which is literally just half a mile away, there's a, got a bustling high street full of shops. And there's a deli there, which almost immediately, once lockdown started, they announced that they were going to flip from being a deli to doing a sandwich delivery service. And I do believe that you should support your local independent businesses. So every single Friday, we've been ordering a sandwich from them. It's nothing that special, to be honest. It's just sandwiches. Fairly overpriced if you ask me, but we're supporting local businesses, which is the right thing to do. So we've been doing this for a number of weeks now, and it bemuses me how little upselling this shop is doing on the phone. Because you have to phone your sandwich order through, which is in itself is, is not great. Really, they should be having online ordering, but there we go. So you phone through and you place your order, and they're clearly in a rush, and they're trying to get all the orders done in time. There's a deadline that you have to phone it through by, but they never ever try and upsell anything. Now, I know I've been in this deli and I know that on top of sandwiches, they've obviously got crisps, they've got cakes, they've got all sorts of other stuff. I've just been waiting for them to say, oh, do you want us to pop a packet of crisps in there for you? Or, or which of our cakes do you fancy today? Or something like that. They never do this. In fact, last week, when I phoned my order through, the woman who was on the other end of the phone actually said, and these were her exact words, you don't want any crisps or anything with those, do you? Listen to that there. You don't want any crisps or anything with those, do you? Now, bearing in mind, I'm primarily ordering from this shop to help this shop. If she said to me, shall I pop a packet of crisps in for each of you there? I'd probably just say, yeah, go on then. What's the, what's the worst that could happen? But no, she actually said, you don't want any crisps or anything. And it kind of made me think about technicians. And a lot of the MSPs that I've worked with, they have probably a very similar problem to you, which is that the technicians simply will not upsell, even when there's a really easy upsell opportunity in front of them. So they might be on the phone to a client. It's the decision maker at that client. That client has got a very specific problem and they know that you sell a specific service or, a, or an upgrade or a higher level of service that would solve that problem. But they don't upsell. They don't go for it. Why? What is it that stops them doing that? Well, in my experience, the thing that stops most people from selling is fear. It's fear of someone saying no. 
or it's fear of having to ask in the first place, or it's just in general fear that, oh no, you know, I'm a technician. I don't want to be seen as selling. I didn't get into tech to sell. I got into tech to fix problems for people, to help people, to do all those kind of things. Selling is not for me. That's not something that I do. And even when they can see that it would make their lives better, they don't make that suggestion. Now, most technicians are this way. Not all of them, but most are. And what you'll typically find in an MSP is it'll only take two or three technicians to be this way. And all of the rest of the technicians will operate this way. It almost becomes a cultural thing. In fact, sometimes it's terrifying how much culture in our business is set by two or three people who are doing something in a specific way or rather not doing something in a specific way. So I think the trick for trying to get technicians to upsell, first of all, is not to try and get technicians to upsell. It's a battle that you could be having for weeks, months and years, and I don't think it's a battle that you could ever win. So instead of asking them to actually do the selling, what we should be asking them to do instead is to ask them to spot the potential upsell opportunities. Well, actually, let's not even use the word upsell. Let's use the words client delight opportunities. Because remember, most technicians want to do a great job for the clients and want to help the clients. So let's train them to spot when the clients really should be buying a different service or a better service or something that helps them. And let's focus on getting the technicians to tell someone about it. Now, maybe it should be you, maybe it should be the account managers, whoever it is, that will depend on the system within your business. But let's focus their attention on that. Spot an opportunity, tell someone about that opportunity. Let's have a system in place. You could even put in place some kind of reward mechanism. I mean, personally, I don't think you need a reward mechanism. The reward for the technician, for most of them, will be the feeling of doing a good job. But you could say, for example, you get 10% or 5% of any monthly recurring revenue for the first year. So if they go on to buy this monthly recurring revenue service and they stick with it for the next three years, you get 5% of that new monthly recurring revenue for the next 12 months. Now that's an optional thing to bring in, but that will certainly make some of the technicians very focused on finding things that they think the clients should be buying, particularly when they haven't actually got to do the clothes themselves when someone else will do that. So I would make this a training issue. The very first thing is putting in place that system. Here's how you report this. Here's who you report it to. Here's how we track it. And here's the reward if, in fact, we do sell something to a client. And then the second thing you need to do is product focus. And in fact, what you could do perhaps is a Friday lunch and learn. Every Friday, get some pizzas in. We divert the calls over to Continuum or whatever call answering service that we're using at the moment. And all of the technicians just have 30 minutes with a pizza and we do a bit of a lunch and learn. This is this service that we're selling right now. This is the enhanced level of this service. This is the benefit of a client taking this service. And if you were to do that every single week of the year, just think 50 weeks where you're lunch and learning them about a very specific service and teaching them about all these different enhanced levels of service, for some of them, that's going to go in. And if you remind them every single week, 50 weeks of the system for reporting clients who really should be taking a service like this, you can see that for many of your technicians, most of the time, it's going to become systematic for them to spot these opportunities and tell you about it. And of course, the massive bonus for you off this is that you get to sell more services. 
And we all know that selling more to existing clients is the route to dramatically higher net profits. Here's this week's clever idea. Now, in the spirit of increasing your net profit, let's talk about how much you're charging your contract clients for ad hoc work. And this is a debate that I have with my MSP masterminders fairly regularly here in the UK, because I believe that when you're doing ad hoc work for clients who are under contract, you should be charging as much as you can get away with. And I, by get away, I don't mean profiteering. I mean accepting what the actual cost to you is of delivering ad hoc work. So let's put this in perspective. These are existing clients. They're under contract. They're paying you a fee every single month. It's a recurring revenue for their support contract. They're buying other things from you. And then every now and again, some ad hoc work comes up. Now, I'm going to be talking about this in pounds sterling, but you can easily convert this over to dollars or your own local currency. If you're charging them 50 pounds an hour for ad hoc work, you're probably not making a profit on that 50 pounds because it probably costs you a lot more than 50 pounds an hour to deliver an hour's worth of value. If you think how much it actually costs you to open the doors every day, what's the cost of the office, the rent, the rates or any local taxes you have to pay, your staff, the utilities, the insurances, the debt costs, the equipment costs, all of that. In fact, it's a good exercise to have is to figure out how much it actually costs you just to open your doors every day. It's probably a lot more than you think. That means you've got to cover those costs every single day before you've actually made some money. So you've got all of that to take into account. Then you've got the opportunity cost and the cost of sale of an employee or a number of employees doing an hour's worth of ad hoc work for clients. And because they're contract clients, you will tend to over-service them in some way. You will tend to do a very, very good job. So what's the real cost of delivering an hour's worth of ad hoc work to your existing clients? It is a lot more than you are currently charging right now. I mean, if you wanted to be scientific about it, then maybe, yes, you should actually work that out. Work out the cost of opening the doors every day. Work out the employee costs, which isn't just what you're paying them. It is, of course, also the cost of what they can't be doing, the proactive work that they can't be doing while they're doing ad hoc work. And this is why you should be charging probably if not double, then certainly a lot more than you're charging right now. And my MSP Masterminder clients, you know, we're sort of pushing now £100, 110 some of them charging well over £150 per hour of ad hoc work. Now, that might seem a lot to you, but there's a couple of factors at play here. Not only is there making sure that you're actually making profit from it, there's also looking at it from the client's point of view, that they don't know how much ad hoc work costs. And to be honest, they don't really notice if it really is just the odd bit of ad hoc work. So when someone signs up for a contract with you, that's what they're focused on. They're focused on the monthly cost. How much is this going to cost me every month? And most B2B decisions are made with the cash flow in mind, remember. We don't look at the overall cost of something. We look at what's the impact going to be on our cash flow on a monthly basis. So they'll be looking at that. And when a piece of ad hoc work comes up, yeah, it stings a little bit, that 100, 150 pounds an hour. But you know what? It's just the cost of getting this job done. It's only a couple of hours. It's a few hundred pounds. Fine, fine. Yeah, we'll do that. No problem. And that's very much the mindset of the typical client. 
And this is why if you're charging them £50 an hour, it's going to cost them £100. You're charging them £150 an hour, it's going to cost them £300. Sure, that's a big difference between £100 and £300, but it's a one-off cost. Their mind is not looking at this as the recurring cost of this on a monthly basis. Their mind is looking at this saying, yep, we can afford £300. We need to get this work done. Absolutely go ahead with that. So they don't see the cost of ad hoc work in the same way that you do. You know, you have to remember here that your business is not a charity. Your business does not exist in order just to do work for clients. The primary goal of the business is to make net profit for you. The primary goal of the business is to give you the cash you need to achieve the life vision that you've got laid out for you. You know, the primary purpose of the business is to pay your mortgage, to put your kids through private school if that's appropriate, to give you and your family the resources you need to live the lifestyle that you want, to pay your staff. You know, this is the primary goal of the business. And the way that we do that is we delight the clients and we make a great profit along the way. The profit is the side effect of running a great business that's there to support you, but the profit side effect needs to be there. Otherwise, it's just not a fun business to run. And we've all run unprofitable businesses and it is not fun at all, which is why we've got to make sure we're making good money. So you should be examining at every single stage of the process, how much net profit are we making off this? And if it's not enough, we've just got to increase the prices. You know, being expensive is nothing to be scared of. In fact, you should aim to be the most expensive MSP in your area. And I don't just mean just by ratcheting all the prices up. You've got to be aware of the front end, back end. The front end is the pricing they see when they sign up. That's your per user or per device support cost. But the back end, you should absolutely look to be as expensive as you can be because no one's looking at the ad hoc price of having some work done at the point that they're signing up. It's just something that has to be done along the line. Therefore, we need to make sure we're making loads of net profit off it. Paul's blatant plug. We talk about these kind of subjects all the time in my free MSP marketing Facebook group. We talk about how to make more net profit how to get more new clients, just in general, how to grow your business. It's become the most amazing community. At time of recording, we're well over 750 members, every single one of them working for or owning an MSP because this is a vendor-free zone. Sorry, vendors, I do love you and you're very welcome on the show, but you're just not welcome in my Facebook group. So if you want to join, you just got to go get Facebook up on your phone, type in at the top MSP Marketing, Go to groups and you just tap on apply to join. The one thing I will ask you to do is to post the website address of your MSP so I can check that you do indeed work for an MSP and we normally let you into the group within about 24 hours of applying. The big interview. Hi, my name is Scott Springer. I'm one of the founders of Third Wall, a new cybersecurity plugin for automate users. And one of my clients actually recommended that I get you on the show, um, Scott, because they're a user of ConnectWise Automate, and I believe they're a, they're a client of yours. They use Third Wall and said it was absolutely brilliant, not only as a way for actually getting more money into the business and generating a new revenue stream, but also as a way for uh, making life easy for their technicians. So do you want to give us the sort of the 60-second rundown of what Third Wall is and what it does? So we built ThirdWall because we found that people, MSPs in particular, but any, anybody who tries to manage cybersecurity, it really struggles and leaves a lot of gaps. Doesn't matter how good their firewall, how good their antivirus is, bad guys always find a way in. And what we did is we identified the primary ways that that happens. And we built a plugin that makes taking care of those gaps and vulnerability 
really easy to do. We have an interface that's, that's smooth, it's simple, and it provides a, a whole other level of protection. It replaces things like scripts, group policy, which is unfortunately not very effective in this world, and it replaces things like training and awareness, which everybody says, oh, don't do that, and we all know how effective that is. So this gives an automated way to both lock down the environment for cybersecurity and also some very interesting ways to respond to threats that are happening in real time. So the MSPs that do buy this from you, what's the mix between those who buy it simply as a tool to reduce workload and you know, stop their clients getting into trouble versus those who actually use this as a revenue stream and go on and sell it? Based on our discussions with clients, I'd estimate that over half of our clients, and we have well over 500 clients now, use this to have, make additional revenue, a substantial additional revenue. And it really helps them in another way as well. Whether or not they charge for it, it's used as a big differentiator for them as they're battling for business. And I know you're big on that. When you've got an ability to go and offer a much higher level of cybersecurity, some of our clients at the trade shows, they come by us and they actually say, please don't sell this anymore. It's our secret weapon. It's how we get new clients. That's just something that we do. But again, about half of them, we think, are actually selling this either as a premium tier of cybersecurity or we have some features that are standalone features that people are selling as well. Can you give us a specific example of how people are upselling this as, a, as an advanced security package? One of the biggest things is we have three different policies and we're very policy driven that don't normally exist within people's environments that are very targeted towards ransomware and they're quite effective. I mean, there's no such thing as 100% protection against ransomware. But we have three different policies that are targeting ransomware. One, to detect it when it gets in, in many cases, and to prevent it from launching and that actually reacts to a, an attack in progress. So we've got that and that's often given uh, our clients a way to upsell. People are afraid of ransomware. It's always in the headlines. So when you have an ability to prevent ransomware, that's a big selling point. So is ransomware typically the big moneymaker for your clients then? Um, for many of our clients, it is. But we uh, actually, one of the things that we've incorporated into ThirdWall is uh, a user logon report, which sounds so mundane, but it's actually quite difficult to create. Uh, there's a lot of software out there that you can buy that does user logon reporting, but we just build it in and we're very inexpensive because of how we built this. And what our, our clients have found, we built this for cybersecurity auditing. A, a lot of different legal requirements say you must do logon reporting and keep as an archive. So that's why we built it. What our clients have found that when you can do user logon reporting, it's an amazingly powerful and sellable tool for uh, MSPs to sell to their clients because it allows them to do employee management. You can tell when people are logged on, you can tell when their computer's locked or unlocked, and that becomes an objective tool, and they're making a ton of money off of that. Uh, it's they, our clients call that pure gold. Scott, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. What's the best way for us to get in touch with you? Well, our website is www.third-wall. Dot com. There is a dash in the middle and uh, there's contact information. There's a way to sign up for free trials and webinars. I can tell you when people see a webinar, we have about a 90% close rate because they do think it's uh, an exceptional product and well-positioned and it gives them tools that they just can't get anywhere else. So we're growing fast and uh, people recognize how valuable we are. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ask Paul anything. My name's Martin from Limtech. How do I make my MSP look different to all the others? Great question, Martin. And it's a question which every MSP should answer because actually most MSPs look the same as all of their competitors. 
What we're talking about here is developing something called a USP, a unique selling point or a unique selling position. What is it that makes your MSP different from all of your competitors in the mind of your prospect? And this is something that most MSPs struggle with. And I've got to be honest, I struggle with this when I'm working with MSPs because all MSPs do essentially the same thing in more or less the same way. And yeah, there are different flavors of doing it and different preferred technology stacks and different preferred methodologies. But essentially, from the uneducated prospects point of view, you do the same as your competitors. And you go and look at most MSPs' websites and they all look the same. They've got the same stock images. They've got the same messages. They've got the same boring pictures of data centers and network cables, and everyone seems to look the same. So the challenge then is to A, find something that you genuinely do differently or a way of working that's different to your competitors, which to be honest is quite hard, or maybe B, you take a completely different approach to it. And this is the approach that I recommend. Instead of focusing on what you do and how you do it, which you know your uneducated prospects don't really care about anyway, they just want the outcome. I would focus on the people who do it. And the people are the only true differentiation you've got from your direct competitors. Now, by the people, I primarily mean you and your staff, but you can also leverage your clients as well. Let me explain. If I was to go onto your websites today, what would I see? Would I see you describing the services that you offer and the geographical area that you cover or the vertical you cover and all of that kind of stuff? What I should be seeing right there on the home page and on the About Us page, which are the two most important pages of any website, I should be seeing instead people. I should be seeing you, your senior techs, your business partner, maybe even the rest of your staff. I should be seeing people, 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 people. If it's just you and a bit of help in the business, so essentially you're a one-man band, then let me just see you and let me see your story. Tell us, the readers, tell us why you started your own business and why you're so passionate about delivering IT support. If you've got enough staff, then pop your staff on the website as well. Let's see pictures of you and your team. Let's see the people who are going to be delivering the service. Let's read a message from your team or something like that. No one can copy your staff. So they can copy anything else that you put on your website, absolutely anything. You can come up with some very clever text and headlines, but other people can and if they can, they will copy it, but they cannot copy you and your staff. They cannot copy your personality. This is why I branded my business, Paul Green's MSP Marketing. In the four years since I've been going, there've been a host of copycat competitors that have just cropped up in the UK and abroad, and that doesn't bother me at all. It's irritating, but no one can be me. Absolutely no one can copy me. There's only one me. Thank God. But it's a clear point of differentiation. And I decided very early on I was going to embrace that differentiation. So getting you and your staff and pictures and text and stories and all of that kind of stuff on the website is the perfect differentiation. The other way of doing it, if you really don't want to make it about you, is to make it about the clients. And the only really effective way to do that is to have a video of your clients on your website talking about you. 
So this is a beautiful thing to do and quite a number of people have done this already. And if you want to see examples, you can go to a website. It's mspvideos.co.uk, which yes, is a service of mine, which unfortunately we only offer in the UK at the moment, but you can go and see sample videos of how to get your existing clients talking about you. So you've got to think about it from the prospect's point of view. They come to your website and there is a video of one of your favorite clients talking about how wonderful you are. So you're not talking about you, the clients are talking about you. And that is a beautiful piece of differentiation. It's beautiful because future clients are more likely to believe what your existing clients are saying and more likely to be influenced by it than anything that you say. So there's the challenge for you is look at your website, look at your direct competitors, because that's your clear point of differentiation. Your website is the display of the differentiation and then go and find a way to make it different using either you or preferably using your clients talking about you. How to contribute to the show. I'd love to get your question on the show as well. If you want to just do an audio recording for me, literally grab your phone, just record a little audio question. You heard how Martin just did it there. Say your name, say the business you work for, and then record your question, and then just email that through to me. Doesn't matter what the format is, you can email it directly off your phone. The address is hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Coming up next week. And then everything's different. You're in a new reality. And it is scary. It is very easy to get in the mindset of, I'm just kind of going down with the ship. But you don't need to do that. That's Heather Johnson from Gozinta. She's here next week with her husband, Brian, and they're going to be talking about the new normal that we're going to be facing when all of this starts to settle down and how you can spot some huge opportunities amongst the chaos. We're also going to be talking about growing through acquisition, whether or not you'll be able to pick up some of your competitors because of everything that's happening right now. And we're going to be talking about what doesn't seem to be the most interesting subject, but we know it's an important one because it's the one that's most likely to keep us up at four in the morning. It's cash flow management. We've got a whole ton of advice for you. I'm going to speak to you next week. See you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.